Welcome to the TPL Show, a podcast dedicated to the study and discussion of leadership. Join us as we share relevant, simple, and lasting methods for improvement that can be used to lead from any level in any organization. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the TPL Show. This is Dave Cahill. Today, we're going to talk about the power of alignment. I'm here with co-host Luke Weber. Hey, guys. And we're also here with a guest, Dan Mullenkamp, who has a lot of experience with the benefits of alignment in an organization. And Luke, maybe you could introduce Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're very excited to have Dan on our show today. Dan has been an owner of several successful businesses over the past 30 years. He passionately believes that business success is a byproduct of great teams pursuing a noble purpose and wants to help other businesses do exactly that. But really, he's just an old guy who's learned a few things by making a lot of mistakes and loves to help others learn the lessons without making those mistakes. Dan, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Very glad to have you here. So I guess we're going to do our kind of traditional thing, right? The what, why, how. Why, how. And we'll start with what is alignment. We'll we'll dive right in, and then uh, of course Luke and Dan, if you want to add anything, uh, sure. feel free to add or or even just jump in right in the middle here. So, what is alignment? We're taking most of our definition of alignment today from Miles Kearson, as he describes it in his wonderful book, The Transformational Power of Executive Team Alignment. So let me begin by uh, sharing that definition. Alignment is a relationship to decisions. It's an approach to decisions that leads you to own decisions as if they were yours. Alignment is the most powerful relationship you can have to a decision. And alignment is a choice. It's also a commitment to have a decision work. If you're aligned, then you both own the decision like it's yours and you're committed to making the decision work. Also, alignment is not a one-time thing. It must be sustained over time. It's an ongoing commitment, an attitude, a state of mind. An aligned team needs to be sure each team member is committed, that they will own every decision once it's made. Alignment is agreed upon as a team principle, and then it's sustained over time by the team. Team alignment's only powerful when it's a function of a commitment that's been made in advance. And here's what that commitment is, that commitment that everyone on the team makes in advance. Whenever a decision is made, I will align with it. This is radically different than the way most teams operate today. The key to alignment is the commitment to make a decision work. Once a decision is reached, you go out and do what the decision requires with an attitude of making it work. For example, we've all seen a company strategy, which is a series of decisions. And we've seen that, uh, that series of decisions uh, be laid out, but there's not real alignment, and then the strategies fail to be implemented successfully. Lastly, alignment is an individual capability. So alignment's a function of individual choices and individual skills. An aligned team is one in which the individuals have agreed to own every decision, 
and to be committed to making the decisions and each other successful. So alignment's a skill that separates amateurs from professionals. Professionals know the value of alignment and how to operate in an aligned way. Executive team alignment is the way we describe the attitude of an executive group that has chosen to work as an aligned team rather than a group of people with titles who just come together to report things to the CEO. They've decided individually and as a group to own every decision and to strive to make them all work. Each member of the group believes and acts as if the executive team is their team one and the departments they lead are team two. So that's our definition of what alignment is. Yeah. Those two key things, coming together um, when a decision is made and owning the decision and then doing what's required to make it work. And then with this kind of underlying formula, which is you agree in advance that that's the way you're going to react to all the decisions that are made. Right. Doesn't that kind of go back to the theory of the decision line? It certainly does. This idea of, uh, so the theory of the, you know, when we did the theory of the decision line, when we did the show on that, we said there were tools and concepts all around and we'd be talking more about it. And the theory of the decision line says you argue like heck and then you approach that line where the decision is made. You make the decision and then you're crossed over into support like heck. Right. And so that is a way to animate this concept of alignment. It's okay to argue it through, discuss it, and so forth. Sure. But once that decision's made, then we come across the line, we're all going to own it. Full support. Like it's ours, yeah. and we're going to do what we need to to make it work. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's think, a nice tie-in. I think a lot of uh, teams mistakenly view alignment as agreement, and it has nothing to do with agreement. You don't have to agree with the decision that was made. It's the concept that the team is going to work to make that decision work, even if the decision that was made is not the one they themselves individually would have made. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I think that's excellent. So that that's kind of another concept we've talked about in the past, which is just the math. A poor decision that's well-supported is hugely more effective than a great decision that's not supported, right? Right. So w- when we support, we build success in, even if it's not something we might personally agree to. Right. Yeah. And when you have a line, when you view alignment as this idea that we are going to support the decision, then what that allows is what you just said. It allows you to make good decisions because you don't have to pick the one that's most supported. You have, you can make the best decision and know that the team's going to support it. Yeah. Because that's the way you agreed to operate as a team. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. I, like I want to unpack that. That's, um, so now you have this array of options in front of you and you pick the one that's the most effective knowing everyone will support it. Right. Instead of picking the one that you believe most people will support. So you look at any federal program and they're hugely unsuccessful yeah. and that's the way they operate. They go after the, the program design that most people would support instead of the one that's going to be the most effective, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. So uh, anything else we should roll around about what alignment is? No, I think it pretty much covers it. I like that. That's a very thorough definition. Okay. And I think that that covers 
most of what we want it to be. So, all right, let's move on to the why. All right, let's talk about the why, and you're going to kind of facilitate yeah. that discussion, right? Yeah. So, in discussing the why we should have alignment in an organization, we have three different areas that we tend to focus on. So, we have a rational or logical. Uh, reason. We have emotional reasons, and then we have tangible reasons of why we should have alignment. And the tangibles are essentially the bottom line of why we should have alignment. They're the, the impact. Organization. Yeah, the impact yeah. of alignment within the organization. So, Dan, I want to uh, turn or start the discussion with you. In your experience, uh, what are some of the those logical or rational reasons of why we should have alignment? Well, I like to uh, use an analogy of um, a rowing team, okay? Uh, because if you took a rowing team, let's say you have two teams, and one of them, there's 10 rowers, and another team, there's only seven, all right? But on the team with 10, they don't all have the exact same oars. They're not using the same equipment. And the person who directs the uh, rowers is called a coxswain, and there, there's a some of the people are listening to the coxswain's beat and their stroke counts and things along those lines, but they're not all. Uh, That boat is going to have a very difficult time going in a straight line down the river toward the objective. But in the other boat, there's seven people. They're probably, they could have inferior equipment and be inferior rowers. But if they just use all the same oars and they stroke by the lead of the the coxswain, and they're going toward their goal, they will vastly outperform the boat with the 10 rowers simply because they're all working together. And that's the, the, the logic of how this, why alignment mm-hmm. makes such a right. big difference. Right. Yeah, for sure. Dave, uh, what's some of your experience uh, in organizations with alignment? I know that you've been, you know, with Alvanulo, right? Yeah. So you've been in and out of many different organizations. We we preach, we teach uh, those organizations to focus on alignment. So what have you seen in your experience? Well, it, it's really wrapped into everything we do. So we we walk in with this kind of catchphrase, alignment equals flow. Right. And we teach the theory of the decision line and we teach this concept of a uh, a poor decision that's well supported is more effective than a great decision that's not supported and so forth. And we start uh, building this idea of alignment just as we heard it described. And the, uh, the impact is, is extraordinary. Um, so we see uh, circumstances where teams have become dysfunctional. So the, uh, the commercial team that's interacting with the customer is, uh, constantly kind of um, bad-mouthing, so to speak, the production team and vice versa, and they can't work together and they can't be in the same room together and uh, because of, of this level of dysfunction and, and misalignment. So one team's working on cost optimization, one team's working on um, delivery, and they're pulling apart, right? Right. So we see things like using the, the perfect order metric where we combine the two so everyone's working um, together because you can't simply have your piece be successful. And, and uh, if your function in the organization is successful, 
uh, it doesn't mean you're successful. It has to be the entire right. stream is successful right. and so forth. So kind of heal those relationships and keep focusing on that idea of alignment, making that commitment in advance, teaching about the professionalism. So this is is, is really kind of a, an attitudinal thing and you work on it over time and you have backsliding and you work on it again right, and, sure. and it slowly gets better and people see the results and then they're willing to uh, buy in over time as they as they see these results and then become, um, you know, uh, fanatics about this yeah, idea right. of alignment. So to me, um, we teach, you know, literally hundreds of tools and techniques, but this a concept of alignment equals flow and then teaching people how to be professionals and yeah. align, as Dan said, to worry less about do I agree and more about am I owning the decision and then doing everything I can to make the decision successful um it, it's really where it's at it's the heart of the matter yeah, right i agree with that well yeah. at our organization when dave came in and taught uh, the first thing you introduced us to was the, the 1440 meeting sure right and that simple concept of let's get together every morning and agree on this set of questions and we're going to start our day this way and it involved everybody in that business mm exchanging a little bit of information for seven or eight minutes. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, it, it was the beginning, but it was still, it made a dramatic effect right away. It was one of those things that after, you know, two weeks of using the meeting, nobody would even consider not yeah, starting sure. our day that way. Yeah. And because that brought us together, right. it, it started us on that path. Yeah, the the I mean, you align around the meeting, you align around the questions, you align around the style of the meeting. Mm -hmm. It's all teaching alignment, and then of course, you're getting more done in less time. You have yeah. more time to interact, right. and and all those good things happen that happen from the from the fourteen forty. But that's where alignment starts for sure, right? Um, and so we call that kind of phase in the Avenue Loe, syncopo, mm -hmm. which means alignment, mm -hmm. right? And you start to, to align uh, in, in the case of that with uh, a daily rhythm. Right. It's in my experience when I've, when we've implemented the 1440 mm -hmm. system in these organizations and, and Dan, you <clears throat> described it perfectly. So as people start using that 1440 system and kicking their day off with that seven or eight, nine minute meeting, same questions every day, bringing a little bit of information. They, after two to three weeks, they don't see another way of doing that meeting. But yeah. not only that, but they want to take that form and style of meeting, that 1440 yeah. system, and take it elsewhere to their other meetings because of how effective it is. Yeah. So right. it's really, really powerful, not only just to kick off their day like that, but it changes the way they think about other situations. That, that's, that's really important to note. So when we were putting all this together, of course, we studied many things. One of the things we ran across was the three-man rescue team of the Coast Guard. So you've seen it where the, the Coast Guard helicopter zips out there to sea and saves the guys from the sinking boat and all that. And they've got this three-man team in the back, not the guys flying it, but the guys that do the actual rescue. There's a three-man team, and um, it's very specialized, elite team. Sometimes they got to go in the water. They've got to rescue people in the icy, freezing, s stormy, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Those teams, the procedure that they use, the approach, the role of each team member, the way they're aligned around the mission is so tight 
you just know I'm team member number one, two, three. And then they have these teams all over the nation, but folks get sick, they need vacations, they rotate out to other duties. This process is so tight in the Coast Guard that you can put any three rescue guys together from anywhere in the world and they're instantly a team. And that's what happens with the 1440. You can drop into any 1440 meeting anywhere in that company and you instantly know what's going on. And and it's the same. Yeah. And that is alignment. That's a really good concept. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's, you know, some some information and good discussion around the rational or the logical reason mm-hmm. of alignment. So let's move on to the emotional side. Yeah. So Dan, in your experience, what have you seen All right. on that emotional side? So now this, this can take a little longer, but this is where the big payoff of alignment really comes in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because, you know, we can, we can move resources around and we can, we talk about time management and things along those lines. But in reality, we all function off of, at least in my opinion, the management of our energy and our thoughts and things along that we only have so much to give, right? right. So if, you, if alignment to you means agreeing on the decision, then a decision's made, but you know this person doesn't really like that decision and you're not necessarily 100% in on this decision. And so all the steps that go forth afterwards, whether they're, it happens in a group or me individually, if I'm the one who says, you know, I don't agree and I haven't got this concept of alignment down, we end up exerting in a tremendous amount of energy and thought and time, whether we want to admit it or not, in rethinking the decision. It's constantly yeah. rolling around in there. And that emotional torture or torment that we put ourselves mm. through makes all everyone's progress drastically slower it's a much bigger drain than the logical side of it though you need both okay so when people stop that when it it, and it's two-sided okay when i decide no matter if i agree with the decision or not i'm heart and soul in on making it work we're going to succeed with this decision even if i don't like it and i know everyone else is heart and soul into Mm -hmm. making that happen, then all that emotional baggage and drain and thoughts and effort and energy can be focused on what needs to be done instead of on what are we actually going to do and do I really think it's going to work? It all goes away. And it allows allows that energy to be focused like the uh, the sun going through a magnifying glass. You know, that, that, is just makes it work so much better. It does take longer to attain, okay? And sometimes um, really good people won't necessarily be able to stay on the team. That doesn't mean they're bad people or anything like that, but mm-hmm. if, they, if they can't come to that place where you're going to agree to own a decision that you didn't personally necessarily care for, and there could be a million reasons for that, but if a person needs to leave because of that, they're better off not being on that team because sure. they're not going to fit in. Sure. And you, you can by that, because of that emotional drain, you can take three rowers off the boat and make yeah. it go faster. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah it's so amazing. So I, I want to come back to that idea of three rowers off the boat in just a minute and, and ask you s- some things about that. But this, this idea of, 
if people can't come to that place. So this is, a, to, to, to me, this is a place of, of professionalism. It's about being a professional. So when you're a professional, you have this attitude and this skill, which is the organization has made this decision. A huge reason why they pay me as a leader is to use my um, relationship capital with others in the organization to move this organi- th- this decision forward. So I have to own this decision, right? Own it and then work to make it successful. And this is uh, a matter of being a professional. Amateurs say yes in the room and then roll their eyes when right. they're back with their people right. and all, all that kind of stuff uh-huh. and whisper about how it's not going to work and we should have done a different thing. That's an amateur move. Right. And it's it's completely contrary to the very notion of why you were uh, brought on board as a subordinate leader. You were brought on board as a subordinate leader to move these things forward, right? right. To own the decision and then make it successful. So um, the uh, the last 15 well, years or so, people have uh, come up with a term for this, drama. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. so what this does is it, it this approach, this professional approach um, that you described, it it eliminates drama in the workplace. And you were about to say something. Sorry, I think yeah, I yeah, no, you. that's okay. I was going to interrupt. I was interrupting you actually. Yeah. But that the idea of professionalism, it goes both. Yes, that it's true. Exactly what you said as far as the individual goes. Mm. It's also, in my opinion, hugely unprofessional for an organization to expect this to happen if they haven't clearly defined who they are. And that this is the expectation that made it clear to everybody, you know, to sit around in a, in a boardroom or somewhere else and say, and, and in your mind, expect this outcome, but not provide tools and the idea and that you personally enforce this and make it clear to everybody that this is the understanding. Because I, I've met very few business leaders who would actually defi- uh, be able to say that alignment isn't agreement. It is right. Right. It is the action of you know agreeing to the decision. Yeah. So it, it works both ways. The organization needs to be very professional about yeah. how this is implemented, and the individual has to be professional enough to grasp it. Yeah, that's very true. You have to spell this out, organizational leaders. What does alignment mean? What's it all about? Theory of the decision line. These kind of concepts and tools. Constantly talking about it, saying it's what we value here, and also saying, but we're not expecting. Yes, people are sycophants. We want you on that argue-like-heck phase to bring up all the pros and cons and all that stuff. But once we jump across to we've decided, now we we need Mm -hmm. you to own it and and make it work. That's where the best decisions are made. Because if you don't have those arguments prior to those decisions being made, then... Right, and, and, you're, and you're just gonna have a lot of those yes people. Be like, oh yeah, I'm cool with that. It's good. Yeah. And then as soon as that meeting's over, they walk out and be like, that's dumb. So it's it's up to the organizational leaders to put this into the culture, talk about it, bring up concepts and tools that will help um, make it alive and easy and facilitate it. And they got to talk about it a lot, not just once, but a, a lot, wow. so that people get that this is part of the way. I think that ties back into the purpose, vision, and values of. The organization. We, we've talked about the PVV. Yeah, you know, getting that in place, and yeah, people have mission statements and things like that that they follow, but they don't clearly define. Like you were saying, Dan, people need to understand that this is what is expected of you. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Not just oh, this is 
our high level vision, but these are the details and the expectations for you in your day to day work life. Yeah, this, this is key. Organization. So whether you're leading a team of four or five people yep. on on a single process or a machine center or something or an office, or you're leading, you know, fifty thousand right. people, uh, the the point is this is this is up to you to put in place and talk about and animate and keep alive. So really it comes to this idea of leaders versus managers that we talk about so much, the two authority streams, right? You have, this is a key part of your leadership authority stream. And if you're spending 80% of your time worrying about budgets and spreadsheets, you ain't leading. Right. You need to spend the majority of your time worrying about these kinds of things in the culture and interactions with people. Um, and that's what makes an organization zoom. Right? Agreed. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, so before we get too far away, I want to come back to the seven rowers versus yeah. 10 rowers because I think you can talk tangibly. You're just not pulling that out of, out of the sky when you talk about seven rowers versus 10 rowers. You've had this experience of how alignment can help you row faster with fewer oars. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my organization... As I said, the emotional part of it takes a while to get there. Mm. So we're we're moving down this uh, area of becoming aligned and um, wonderful people who I love and they loved the organization, mm-hmm. uh, but they we couldn't get to that alignment. Mm-hmm. All right. So of course, eventually, they decided to move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay, and which was great for them. And I know they're all doing wonderfully at their where they've gone to yeah and and we just didn't replace the majority of them okay we just kept doing with less and what happened was not only were we able to do the same we're actually able to do more Uh we can get back to more because what is the people who are left are truly aligned and everybody won in that it just w- it took a while to get there. Sure, and now we're going to drop to the bottom line part of it because, uh, or the the uh, tangible, tangible yep. you know, because as soon as you can produce more with less, all right. Well, every business person knows that the difference is going to drop that profit right down to the bottom line. Sure, and um, so our net operating profit. Uh, in that organization over a three year period where we gradually got to that level, it, it, it has gone up uh, 342%, 342% in, in three years. And, you know, and, um, and we're having more fun Yeah, yeah. and everybody, the, even the people who left are having more fun too. It's a good thing. Yeah. So are, are your people exhausted? Are they working harder than ever? And they're stressing out and they got to, Call the employee assistance program. No, we don't. We don't have. Uh, we don't have people running on the uh, the hamster wheel. Is that yeah. what you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I always refer to. So life should never be like a, an adventure on a treadmill. Yeah. You know, you can go as fast as you want. You're not really getting anywhere. That's yeah, yeah. not life. Okay, uh, not at all. Like I said, we're having more fun, and I mean it. Okay, yeah. um, it is. People are more involved, and it it's freeing up in every way because as a whole we're aligned, but then we're broke into obviously multiple teams. All yeah. right. So this morning I, before I came up for the show, I had uh, meetings with my marketing team and then my farm um, team. 
and the ease at which we can get through, you know, in 15 minutes, we can cover an, an immense amount of ground. Mm -hmm. And all of these people are excited, you know, Hey, this needs to be done. People just volunteer like that. Mm -hmm. It is, um, an incredible experience and you just hear in their voice and you see in their eyes, they're alive. Yeah. It is, you know, I, I, I am extremely passionate about improving people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yes, I want it to affect the bottom line, but in the end, it's in watching their their them be alive. You know, I, I have people who refer to work as their safe place uh -huh. because you know, with kids and everything, life can be chaos sometimes. Yeah, sure it can. And they know that there's this one place where they may yes, they do a lot of work. They're tremendous people. But it's it's home, right. you know. It's this settling. They know they're doing it for a great cause, and um, they love what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alignment equals flow. There you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think, that's great. I think that that <laughs> it's that's perfect. That conversation was a perfect segue into the tangible reasons of why to have alignment, uh -huh. or the as you know, as Dan said, the bottom line. Yeah. Right. So in my mind that initially comes, well, for most organization it comes to value. Right? Yeah. So money on the bottom line. Uh -huh. But Dan, you just said, it's not always about the money. It's about changing people's lives or making them feel better about what they do on a daily basis. And you just described a perfect situation to where not only did you increase, you know, your bottom line 342%, but you're changing the way people feel about work. And in a society like today, where work-life balance is so um, focused on, like I would say that today, most people worry about work-life balance probably more than anything else. Uh -huh. They make decisions on where they go to work or what, they're, what job they're gonna apply to based on what work-life balance am I gonna have? Am I gonna you know, spend 50, 60 hours a week in the office? Or am I going to have time to go pick up my kids after school type sure. thing, right? That conversation is more important now than it has ever been. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah. important today. And it drives a lot of the competition for um, uh, an ever-shrinking pool of qualified exactly. candidates. So yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Th this um, this idea of, of the bottom line impact mm -hmm not necessarily just being money. So we, we look at the purpose of our organization. So Dan, your organization has this, and, and of course per, the purpose, the noble purpose of any organization right. is making the lives of your customers better in some way. That's right. the kind of generic noble purpose for any organization. So for you, it's um, you and your company at Preferred Insurance, it's reducing the real risk that people have. And there's, there's kind of a value prop there. It's reducing that risk in a real way for uh, the most affordable, by the most affordable means that you can, you can do that. So you're now 340, what was it, 342? 42%. 42% increased. This means you're serving more people. They either had that need and it was never fulfilled or they ha had that need being fulfilled, but they weren't satisfied with the ultimate value. So you've made their lives less risky for a better value proposition. Otherwise, you wouldn't grow 
right? Right. So you're fulfilling this noble purpose, which is very important. Yeah, yeah and it's it's not just that. You know, we say we our our purpose is we protect and improve people's lives so they can concentrate on what really matters uh-huh. in life. Okay, and it goes way beyond the insurance part of it. You know, we're so involved in um, community and we share. All right, so we share what we've learned and we um, get involved in practically every, you know, fundraiser, that type of thing that goes on. But it's more, you know, well, I'm going to tell a sappy story here. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Okay. So this is when I knew we were on the right track when it came to purpose, because it was some years ago and um, this elderly lady um, who, yeah, she had a a rough life and you could see it when she walked in the door. Okay. And, and she'd been a client for a, a couple of years and uh, she comes in my office and she's sitting there and she has a preferred insurance on her envelope in her hand, but she's not really talking to me about anything to do with insurance. And, you know, I, I ashamedly was kind of busy. So I said, you know, Hey Maggie, do you, um, is there something you need to talk to me about? And she finally says, Oh, not, not really. Every, everything's fine. So I said, well, you know, I've got to go to a meeting um, uh, and I got up, you know, to escort her to the door and Maggie grabs me and hugs me and starts crying. And I said, Maggie, what's up? And she goes, you know, I was really just having a terrible day. And I knew all I had to do was walk into preferred insurance and my day would be better. Hmm. And what that told me in that moment was that we were creating a place with an attitude that was so uh, abundantly positive and good that it wasn't just about, you know, who was going to get her her insurance for the least amount of money or pay her claims, right? And all those things are important, okay? She came in because being in the office was going to make her Mm -hmm. day better. So giving back is much more than just the financial part of it. Sure. It all comes together, and you can't do that. We're talking about alignment. If you have, if your place is full of drama and friction, nobody's yeah. coming in your door because right. they want to make their day better. Right. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Definitely not. So, no, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's that's a great story. Thank you for for sharing that. All right, so that's some really good discussion around the the why alignment is very important mm-hmm. inside of an organization. Let's talk about the how, right? So. Uh, we have a few different things that we can discuss on the how side. Dave, why don't you uh, kind of walk us through some of those? Sure. We'll cover the how briefly. We have a lot of tools and education around how to do this um, that you can access through the show notes or by reaching out to us. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on them briefly here just so at least you'll know what they are, right? right? So the first thing we have to do is to um, educate everyone that we're going to have uh, work in alignment. So the people that we want to align, right? We want to have this mindset or this attitude. We need to educate them about the power of alignment and what alignment is. So what's your definition of alignment? Is it the same as, as the one we just shared or is it something more unique to you? But what is alignment? And uh, what's its benefit in the power, et cetera. So um, once you've done that, then you need to implement some supportive tools. So 
one thing for sure you need to have is a formal, effective decision-making process, right? We, we have those that, that you could uh, get from us. There are many others available, but you have to have a process, whether it's internally developed or you're relying on um, someone to uh, provide a process for you. You have to have a process that's clear, people can see it, and, and they can follow it. We also highly recommend implementing the theory of the decision line. Yeah. That's a previous episode. You can go listen to and learn all about the theory of the decision line. That makes a great kind of overarching concept for uh, this idea of the power of alignment. And then we have tools that, that you can use, uh, like go to one. We have a process where uh, uh, people have different measurements or different uh, approaches, or they see different priorities. And this idea of go to one creates alignment around that singular concept where there's differences of, yeah. of opinion or approach. And then we also have uh, an alignment protocol, which is a process for um, building this idea of alignment, you know, the, the animation, the steps, the process for how you align around a decision, make the decision and align and so forth. So, so the first thing, educate everyone about the power of alignment and what it is. The second, implement supportive tools that help you bring it to life. Then the third is just practice alignment and review it. So practice being aligned and then come together after decisions and after implementations and openly, candidly discuss how it went. Were we aligned? Were there periods where we were not aligned? Did people maintain their professional rigor, did they violate it? In other words, practice Hansai, self-reflection, you know, this lean leadership technique where you openly and candidly talk about what went well and what could have gone better and then make public commitments about how you'll improve your behavior and the process for the future. And then the fifth step, repeat. So it's just educate, implement supportive tools, practice, practice and reflect, repeat. And just keep doing that. Keep talking about it. Keep talking about the need for it and keep uh, animating it and practicing it. That's the how-to. It's as simple as that. That's good. All right. I'm going to step in here with a shameless plug for another one of our businesses. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, please do. Absolutely. Uh, Arena Success Group. Oh, yeah. It it really comes down to the how part of this is what, what we're all about. And if you go back to the earlier in the show, we talked about the rowboat. It's it's a very simple thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's kind of the theory we, we took. We, we built some tools that were simple enough that almost anybody could come in and use them when they understood them, okay? And if the company has them set up correctly. So it, it's, uh, there's some web-based tools, and there's also this entire process where the company determines its, its PVV, mm-hmm. and very avenue-ish yeah, Purpose, there, vision, correct, value. Yeah. Right? And um, then... Because everyone in the organization starts using the same tools and talking the same way and making decisions with that fit the PVV, uh-huh. and it's all built into this tool set yeah. between the process and the learning and, and those types of things, it brings somebody through that. And it yes, it is designed. You, I brought it to, we brought it to life to bring large business concepts, make them accessible to smaller businesses. Yeah. Um, so yes, it's it's simplified, but it brings people through that process and the simple act of going through the process and everybody using the same tools in the same ways largely delivers a great de- degree of alignment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There you go. So this process, Arena Success Group, and how it animates the PVV brings about alignment. 
is remarkable. So we're very proud of what you've done. I mean, we, we were so impressed with it that Avenulo, you know, became involved and, and we're in, involved partners. in the SG now. We're partners, yeah. yeah. And and it's really a, a, a great approach. I've never seen anything like it in the um, application in the app world that takes this idea of purpose, vision, and values, brings them through to decision-making on the various initiatives and so forth that you're working, and and uh, aligns those things against your purpose, vision, and values in a very simple way that everyone can access. It's really fantastic. It is um, software, right, yeah. that um, animates this idea of the power of alignment. Yeah, it's really great. So Thanks. I hope everyone will check it out. At, it's at arenasg.com. That's where you find it. Right. right. Correct. Okay. All right. Good. Very good. So uh, anything else anyone want to mention before we wrap up? No, I think that's about it. Uh, I just want to say thanks again for Dan uh, being on the show today. Really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. We really appreciate you coming and sharing with us today. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, that's our show on the power of alignment. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a review uh, or send us some feedback at info at tplshow.org. And be sure to like, subscribe, share on all the platforms, all the things. Do all the things, right, Dave? That's exactly right. Do all the things. All right. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the TPL Show. We hope you'll apply what you learned today and tell us how it went. If you want to share, want more information, or have questions, please contact us at info at tplshow.org. Have a great day.